Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, February 6th, 2018, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. We still have a few spots available for our two upcoming Starseed quests to Arkansas, but they are filling fast. The first one is for Spring Equinox, Athena's birthday, which is March 16th through the 19th, and for Pleiadian lineup, it's May 18th through the 21st. All you need to have is at least one galactic star marking on your chart at 25, 26, or 27 degrees of any sign. This is a soul group reunion in the crystal capital of the world, designed to enable a catalyst for starseed empowerment to higher frequencies. We've redesigned this event to be much more affordable than the previous gatherings. So if this sounds like what you've been looking for, just write to crystals, that's plural, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-S, at starseedhotline.com for more details. Our special guest this evening is Seth Leaf Przansky, who is a starseed and the founder of Tourmaline Spring Sacred Living Water of Maine the highest quality, most ethically produced bottled water in America, in North America. Tourmaline Spring has preserved one of the last great natural sources of spring water in North America for future generations. Their water is so naturally pure that it is officially exempt from all treatments, making it the only commercially available living water in North America. They are the originators of the raw water trend that has been the subject of massive mainstream media exposure since the beginning of this year, a trend that started out very negative, but they've they've been able to reverse through their commitment to integrity and transparency. Tourmaline Spring has created a visionary company that, with its success, will educate, enlighten, and eventually provide clean water to all people on our planet. And you can check out their website at tourmalinespring.com and tourmaline is spelled T-O-U-R-M-A-L-I-N-E spring.com At the top of the show, it's Anastasia's Starseed News bringing topics of interest to starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we would like to thank Jada and Fiona for hosting the switchboard tonight for anyone who may have a question or comment for Seth. You can check out our online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds, thanks to Tammy's dedication and help with the forum. And you can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. If you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notice. The toll-free number for StarseedHotline.com is 888-881-0881. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings in your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. For those who need healing of any kind, emotional, physical, or spiritual, for yourself or for your pets, Tammy's powerful remote sessions will make a difference for you. 
And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. And please remember, if you want an interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order it at least uh, three months ahead of time because we do have a waiting list. So uh, first up this evening, we will have Anastasia's fascinating Starseed News. Good evening, Ariel. Hello. <laughs> Great to be with you. Hi there, everybody. Good. So glad to be on the air with you. Well, we better get into our news this evening. <clears throat> we have a solar minimum sunspot. Yeah, that's right. The solar minimum is right around the corner, but sunspot counts are almost at a 10-year low. And we haven't had much activity, so it came as a surprise when yesterday a relatively large sunspot emerged near the sun's eastern limb. Surprise, surprise. It's AR2699. It has a primary core that's larger than this planet. Now, rare solar minimum sunspots are capable of intense explosions, just like sunspots during the more active phases of the solar cycle, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. So even a quiet sun can develop sunspots, and that's what's happening now. Well, the gigantic ego of Elon Musk blasts into space today. And a sports car? Oh, please. Well, from Cape Canaveral today, SpaceX's big new rocket blasted off on its first test flight, carrying a red sports car aiming for an endless road trip past Mars. It's called the Falcon Heavy, and it rose from the same launch pad used by NASA nearly 50 years ago to send men to the moon. With liftoff, the Heavy became the most powerful rocket in use today. Now, SpaceX chief executive Elon Musk owns the rocketing Tesla Roadster, which is shooting for a solar orbit that will reach all the way to Mars. The car could be traveling between Earth and Mars neighborhoods for one billion years according to the high-tech billionaire. Now, as head of the electric car maker Tesla, he combined, uh, that is, the Musk, combined his passions for space and cars to catapult his ego into space. This red sports car flare is perhaps the best way to signal to a higher space intelligence that there is no intelligent life down here, <laughs> only rocket loads of money not used to end suffering but to flaunt human chutzpah. Not a surefire way to end the galactic quarantine, if you ask me, but then truth has a way of revealing itself to those who are capable of seeing things for what they really are. Well, planets have been discovered in another galaxy. A billion years, a, a billion years, this space garbage is going to be... <clears throat> All right, planets have been discovered in another galaxy for the first time. The University of Oklahoma astrophysics team has discovered for the first time a population of planets beyond the Milky Way galaxy. Using microlensing, which is an astronomical phenomenon and the only known method capable of discovering planets at truly great distances from our planet, researchers were able to detect objects in extragalactic galaxies that range from the mass of the moon to the mass of Jupiter. These are planets wow. like those in our solar system. And researchers say that they are very excited, extremely excited about this discovery. They say, quote, this is the first time anyone has discovered planets outside of our galaxy, end quote. 
And until this study, there has been no evidence of planets in other galaxies. They go on to say, this is an example of how powerful the techniques of an, an, uh, the tech, excuse me, I'm sorry, the techniques of analysis of extragalactic microlensing can be. You try to say that analysis of extragalactic microlensing. And this was so complex, I didn't bother to put it in the news. Would have lost you into the first sentence. It lost me into the first paragraph. Uh, this is pretty uh, amazing stuff that they do. It's pretty much theoretical. It, it's extrap- extrapolated from pretty sensitive equipment. But nevertheless, I'm along for the ride, okay? They say that this galaxy is located 3.8 billion light years away, and there is not the slightest chance of observing these planets directly, not even with the best telescope that we could imagine in a science fiction scenario. They say, however, we're able to study them, unveil their presence, and even have an idea of their masses. This is very cool science. Wild. Is that wild? If it's yeah. reliable, if it's accurate, like I said, I'm along for the ride. I'm, I'm too dumb to know any difference. So there it is. Other planets in another galaxy. That's so cool. And, you know, yeah, well, we know we that. Follow, without, we know that. Yeah, without, say, we don't need that science. to affirm it. But, you know, there it is. Yeah. Their science is, uh, you know, going with what we already know. They're catching up with us, guys. Well, there was a shallow uh, 6.4 earthquake that caused a hotel to collapse in East Taiwan. It's really just happened today. I don't have any other details about this except that a hotel collapsed. I don't have any reports of injuries or anything else that happened there. 6.4, pretty moderate quake. problem with it was it was so shallow. And has there been a lot of winter weather across the world? There was uh, some heavy snowstorms that have spread across Morocco, blocking 38 roads there. And heavy snowfall is continuing to hit cities in Japan. They say this snow is on a record scale. It came in from the Sea of Japan. It's affecting the coast. They said it's causing widespread disruption to lives and transportation. In some places, the snowfall has been the heaviest since 1981 and more than six times the national average. And in Algeria... A desert town there is covered in snow for the second time this year. The article says that local people in Algeria were stunned to see snow on the sand dunes yesterday in the Sahara Desert. Oh it my snowed God. for the second yeah, in the Sahara Desert. Now they're at a pretty high altitude, which is really surprising. I mean, they're up a few thousand feet, so think about that. I had no idea that there was any altitude in the Sahara. Nevertheless, this follows a 37-year spell of no snow, um, and they say that this is in the country's northwest. It's only seen four times ever recorded. Now, the Sahara Desert covers most of northern Africa. It's gone through shifts in temperature and moisture over the past, they say, a few hundred thousand years. They say although the Sahara is very dry today, they think that it's going to become green again in about 15,000 years. So roundabout we go. But that's really something. And you know one thing, though, that made me wonder about this story? I'll tell you, when I gather the starseed news, I really have to, I don't know, cast a jaded eye sometimes because you can't always trust what you read, and sometimes they're really poorly written, and sometimes they're just plain fake. But when I saw this article, and, and, and we did see it uh, a month ago, I remember looking at this. They reported on the last snowstorm they had, but there was photographs of people in this little desert town out playing in the snow, and there was a child on a child in the photograph with a snowsuit, wearing a snowsuit. 
I mean, you know, with the hood and the mittens. And, and I'm thinking, why would a child that lives in the desert have a snowsuit available <laughs> for one day of snow that they could never anticipate? So I don't know. It, it made me wonder, and I didn't really have the time or the inclination to double-check this story, but there it is. We'll just go with it that uh, they're getting snow in the Sahara. And the kids there have <laughs> snowsuits tucked away in trunks, just in case, I guess. And in uh, Iowa and Missouri, we've just had uh, hundreds of crashes from snow and ice. Eleven people have been killed. Dozens have been injured in just hundreds of car crashes on the snow-covered Missouri roads and Iowa as well on Sunday and Monday. And in Spain, well, uh, they have had a tremendous amount of snow. Uh, They say that in Spain more than 300 roads have been affected by bad weather, meaning they've been closed, traffic has been uh, stopped in Spain. Well, um, Boeing has revealed plans for a hypersonic strike aircraft that aims to circle the world in one to three hours. Now, a few details have emerged since this aerospace company, Boeing, has revealed plans for its new hypersonic aircraft with surveillance and strike capabilities. This is a war weapon. It aims to build it in the next 10 years, but already faces some competition, whatever that means. Aviation Week has reported that the design for the aircraft, thought to be named Valkyrie 2, was first unveiled at the American Institute of Aeronautics and Astronautics SciTech Forum in Orlando, Florida, last month. Now, although the project is yet to be officially approved, a statement by the company claims the aircraft can fly across the world in one to three hours and carry out airstrikes and reconnaissance missions. This is one of several concepts and technologies we're studying for a hypersonic aircraft, a spokesman said. This particular concept is for a military application that would be targeted for intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance, and strike capabilities. One to three hours. Hmm. I find that terrifying. All right. This is a funny story, guys. I don't know if it's funny, infuriating, what it is, but I'll call it this. I'll take fries with my burger and a full head of hair on the side. <laughs> How's this for... <laughs> How's this for a headline? You guys are never going to guess this. Maybe some of you have already heard about it, but listen to this. Chemical in McDonald's fries could cure baldness, according to study. That's right. Japanese scientists. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Japanese scientists, this is coming out of Japan, okay, uh, say that they may have discovered a cure for baldness, and it lies within a chemical that's used to make McDonald's french fries. A stem cell research team from Yokohama National University used a simple method to regrow hair on mice by using dimethyl polyoxazine, which is the silicone that they add to McDonald's French fries to stop the cooking oil from frothing. (laughs) Wait, back up. The science added to McDonald's French fries and the silicone added to McDonald's French fries Silicone in science? Well, silicone is basically sand. And, you know, we need to take that. We take our silicone. But we don't necessarily want it in our French fries. Um, The silicone that they put in McDonald's French fries, because otherwise the oil 
turns frothy. So it's that stuff. Okay. So the article goes on to say, according to the study released in a biomaterials journal last week, the breakthrough came after scientists successfully mass-produced hair follicle germs, which were created for the first time ever in this way. Now, if you don't recognize hair follicle germs, you might recognize the acronym HFG, associated with hair growth, hair follicles. HFGs are cells that drive follicle development, and they are considered the holy grail in hair loss research. Scientists said the use of dimethylpolyoxiloxane was crucial to the advancement of their invention for hair growth. They say the key to this is uh, <laughs> to put this stuff in a Petri dish, um, and then they torture mice by injecting their backs with this stuff, and then they were able to achieve hair growth. And they say that this is modern science, and McDonald's has not responded to journalists' requests for comment. Um, what are they going to say about that? Um, now, in 2016, the U.S. hair loss treatment manufacturing industry was worth how much money? How much money do you think people are willing to pay to get their hair to grow? How about $6 billion? $6 billion. This includes companies that produce restorative hair equipment and uh, oral and topical treatments. $6 billion people spend on making their hair grow. And there was a hilarious study that said that 30% of people uh, queried would give up sex if they could make their hair grow. And uh, uh, I think that roughly 70% would be willing to give up their life savings to have a full head of hair. That was a study done. So anyway, just don't anybody go out and buy fries and smear them on top of your head in hopes of making your ha hair grow. I don't think that's going to work. So, <laughs> but there it is. So the stuff that's in McDonald's fries is implicated in hair growth. Well, here's this this is this is on a scale that's so tiny. It's it's just unimaginable. We are going smaller and smaller just as we send things into space as we discover new planets and faraway galaxies. We are going into the smaller and smaller spaces of existence. It's mind-boggling. They have discovered something that's 100,000 times narrower than paper. So Indian scientists are telling us that they've managed to create the world's thinnest material, 100,000 times narrower than a sheet of paper. They plan on using it for next-generation batteries and coatings that absorb ultraviolet rays. Now, this new material measures just one nanometer in thickness. Now, get, let's put this into perspective. A human hair, there's that word hair again, is about 80,000 nanometers wide, while the approximate diameter of a human DNA is 2.5 nanometers. And this coating is one nanometer. Awesome. I don't know how anybody can even conceive of such a thing. And by the way, this is made from boron, in case you want to know. Well, this is fascinating. Um, they found a 99-million-year-old bird that was trapped in amber, and it's the most complete bird fossil ever discovered yet. 
The squashed remains of a small bird that lived 99 million years ago have been found encased in a cloudy slab of amber from Myanmar, which used to be Burma. Now, much of the skeleton as the, uh, in this juvenile bird is still present. It was a baby bird. It features the back of its skull, most of the spine, the hips, and parts of one wing and leg. And based on their analysis, the team says that the young bird fell into the Cretaceous tree resin, either dead or alive, and moisture caused the resin to foam slightly, later creating the cloudy amber. Some of the bones and soft tissues have been weathered away and sediment got trapped inside the spaces, but there is still uh, tissue matter left for them to extrapolate and explore DNA. Now, the bird itself is around two and a quarter inches long, or excuse me, two and a half inches long, the structure of its feathers and its skeleton suggests it was a type of primitive bird that went extinct with the non-avian dinosaurs 66 million years ago. And researchers say that even though this is a hatchling, it already has a full set of flight feathers. They say this fledgling may have been attacked by a predator and knocked out of the nest into resin that was oozing from this tree, and that some of the plant fragments and a cockroach was also found trapped in the amber, might have originated in the birdie's little baby bird's nest, probably not such a little bird. But the point of this is they found a cockroach, 99 million years old, along with this baby bird in the amber. Now, I've heard jokes about cockroaches lasting past the apocalypse. (laughs) 99 million years ago, there were cockroaches, and they found one with a prehistoric bird. Wow. <clears throat> and you know what those pieces of amber sell for uh, with little birds in them? They have, there, there's been others found. I don't know how many, but there's been others. They go for about $500,000. And they said that this was about the size of a belt buckle. And they also said that researchers have a very hard time getting a hold of these pieces to study them because usually the more wealthy people buy these up and they go into private collections. What made the the researchers so excited was somehow they were able to acquire this piece and they are looking into it for DNA and other research, which I don't know. I find that a bit scary too, but there it is, along with the 99-million-year-old cockroach. Holy <laughs> Well, I want to thank a Starseed listener, Sarah, and I want to thank her for this. She sent me uh, an email, and she sent us some very interesting information. So I'm going to just read this email to you and uh, consider this to be news. She begins by saying, Thank you for talking about the driverless cars in your Starseed news. What you might not know is that one of the impetus behind those driverless cars is putting up small cells everywhere on public utility poles and street lamps, which would be the 5G. On connected and autonomous vehicles, LiDAR imagery will be beamed back to car makers. GPS units will signal the car's location up to satellites. Navigation apps and entertainment displays will communicate with third parties in the cloud. Cars will exchange speed, mileage, location data, and license plate numbers with each other, and perhaps with brainy streetlights. And she goes on to say, I'm assuming that means small cell towers on lampposts and streetlights. And furthermore, get this, guys, regarding driverless cars, there is more concern for motorcyclists. 
they did tests, and the NTP results were on a single beam of 2G, 3G cell phone radiation frequencies, and they saw biological effects from this. Uh, she says, juxtapose that to our current situation where we are bathing in 2G, 3G, 4G, and 5G, Wi-Fi, omnipresent cell towers, satellites, and more. Add to these the Internet of Things, driverless cars, robots, sensors, virtual reality, augmented reality, AI, and small cells up to wazoo, and you have a slightly different picture. She said that motorcyclists can expect... Quote, mobile phone radiation is only minor compared with the power density of radiation from the many sensor systems required to keep an autonomous vehicle on the road. It will create a microwave oven of radiation on the motorways, and riders will not be protected from it like motorists in cages or cars. Just think about that. She goes on to say, Let, let's not let industry or government use the NTP draft results to fuel their insane wireless expansion and the ridiculous increase in exposure from 5G and the IoT. Thank you, Sarah, very much. Bless your heart. And no, I did not know any of that. I was not aware of that. And I had no idea that the roadways will be a microwave of radiation. And how far is that going to go? How far does that expand? Normal people uh, people don't generally walk on, on interstates and freeways, but there are often houses and backyards and train stations and people uh, aggregate around roadways, not to mention motorcycles. It's, it's wild. Clearly, obviously, typically, they are pushing through these uh, plans without proper analysis and without unbiased testing. And uh, there we go. It's all out of control, guys. It's a wild thing. And so be mindful. Well, on the lighter side, here's a hilarious story. The yolk's on you guys. Norway's Olympic team receives 15,000 eggs they didn't order. (laughs) A minor translation error in a conversation with Norway's Olympic team left their Korean hosts with egg on their face. The Norwegian caterers took delivery of 15,000 eggs Ten times more the, than they actually ordered. They only wanted 1,500, which is a lot. <laughs> the Norwegian Olympic team, which arrived in uh, Pyongyang for the 2018 Winter Games, had placed an order for 1,500 eggs. But something was lost in translation, or rather added. An extra zero increased the order ten times. The conversation between the Norwegian guests and the Korean host wasn't all that smooth, as both sides made the use of an online translator. Well, finally, the delivery of eggs arrived, but it only took one look at it to see that it was way too much. Norwegian's uh, ch- chef, uh, the team's chef, said, we received half a truckload of eggs. There was no end to the delivery. Absolutely unbelievable, he added. <laughs> so there it is. <laughs> I wonder what they did with all those 50,000 15, 15, eggs. It feed a lot of people. Yeah. Where does one get 15,000 eggs? Anyway, it pays to speak the language, and if you're going to use a translator, maybe you might not want to use Google Translator or an online translator. Maybe you might want to get yourself a person sure. to translate for you. Maybe then you can get it right. Okay. I don't know. But anyway, you know, eggs have a lot of vitamin K, so 
keep them beefed up for the games, I guess. There you go. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's been a wild, a wild news week, and we continue to escalate into absurdity and amazing things from one spectrum to the other, week to week. On a wild ride we go. It's quite a time to be alive. It's fun. It's exciting. It's amazing. It's it's absurd at times, but there we have it. It's good to be alive. It really is. I'm going to turn it back over to you, Ariel, so I'll quit editorializing. <laughs> and I'll talk to you next week for this Star Seed News, everybody. From my heart to yours, uh, love to each one of you, and have a beautiful week ahead. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much, Anastasia. <laughs> Some really, like, both spectrums, absolutely a lot to think about there. So thanks for bringing us the Starseed News, and we'll talk to you next week. Okay, so now um, I'm going to uh, get our guest, Seth Przansky, and Lavendar. Get your microphones open, which they are now. So, Seth, welcome to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. I, sp- I spent quite a bit of time on your website and uh, really educated myself, and so I'm very impressed with what you're doing. Um, uh, and <laughs> we're just happy to have you with us. So Lavendar is going to kick it off for us tonight. Lavendar, you ready to go? Okay. Here. All right, go well, ahead. Seth, I'm, I'm so excited to have you on to talk about your um, your tourmaline spring water. Uh, you had sent me some last year, and I drank it, and I loved it. And I really wish that I could afford it a- instead of the water that I do drink. But I, and maybe someday I'll be able to do that. But I wanted you to start us off with um, how all this came about for you to be in the water business. Well, you know, it's I'm I'm just going to be completely open and honest. I'm just going to disclose everything with you guys because I feel it's imperative to hold nothing back but for me okay i've always been in the natural foods industry i've always loved anything to do with the evolution of health which leads to the evolution of conscious awareness all that all these different topics of really self-improvement and how to improve the world have just always been at the forefront of my own awareness but in regards to water this is something that is very very it strikes a deep chord not only with me but with everybody who I communicate with and talk to about this because deep down we all know water is, we're water beings. We are made of water. It is the most important element in our bodies, in the world around us, yet it's one of the most underappreciated elements. So for me, I went through some really hardcore trials and tribulations. I You know, being an overzealous entrepreneur, I was involved in things. I was selling pot and just doing stuff that I knew I shouldn't be doing. And I went to prison. I got in trouble. I went away. And it gave me an extended three-year meditation retreat. I was able to meditate every day, really, really tap into the purity that exists inside of me and learn how to live from that place. So when I got out, I was ready to represent something in this world that essentially speaks to the purity, that purity of conscious awareness that is inside all of us. And it just so happens that I live in an area where, the, you know, some of the finest spring water in the world comes out of, and I just happen to know about one of the last great ancient geologic sources of spring water in North America 
that my friend preserved. He prevented these major multinational corporations from getting it, and he just didn't know what to do with it. He had no idea. So that's kind of the short bit of how I got into it. So how long ago did you do this? How long have you been with the water? Well, I actually started, I was involved in this in 2009, actually, is when we first started doing it. And the idea back then, it didn't really, it wasn't working. It wasn't going in a way, he wanted to call it raw water. You know, my team back then, I didn't really want to, I wasn't all for that name because it denotes um, other images or, you know, raw water. We think, you know, there's all kinds of things that it can represent in people's minds that weren't really where I wanted to go at that point. But we did. We went for it and we tried it and it didn't really do what we wanted to do, which is fine. And we left it alone. We just left it. And then it came back around where I ran into my friend and he was just, you know, at his wit's end and basically didn't know what to do anymore. He couldn't make the spring work and he was afraid that he was going to lose it, that the bank was going to get it or that, you know, one of the big multinationals would just swoop it up and then it would no longer be an actual spring. It would be, they would drill holes into it and basically suck the water out of the ground. You know, where right now this water is bubbling to the Earth's surface of its own accord, we only capture the overflow that bubbles up naturally, and then we gravity feed it into the bottling facility. And this is a model that doesn't exist, as far as I know, in the world today. So that's so tell what us, I got. How, how does the tourmaline uh, affect the water? So it just happens to come up in an area in Maine. That is one of the most, it's, it's one of the most geologically diverse places in the United States. But it, in Maine, okay, this spring could have come up anywhere in the state of Maine, and it wouldn't be in this specific area. And the area that it sits in right now, it's called, there's an old lake here, a really big lake in Maine. And the lake is an extinct volcano. And on the outer rim of this extinct volcano, they call it a pluton. So it's a geologic pluton and on the outside of it is where all these minerals started coming up through the earth lithium and just this really complex mineralogy and for whatever reason the spring sits right in the heart of where these massive pockets of gemstones it's not just tourmaline tourmaline is a state of Maine gem and so i called it that and it represented it it is it's in the heart of where the tourmaline comes out of but i'm talking like 50-pound morganite crystals, big pink emeralds. I've been in pockets that are, when I say a pocket, it's like a cavern inside of the earth with these massive crystals, just like Aladdin's cave coming up from the floor and through the ceiling. It's mind-blowing what's going on out here. And this water just happens to bubble up right in the heart of all that stuff. So how does it affect it? Oh, my God. It's one of these things where, there isn't a lot of definitive science to really, you know, lay out the effects that it has, but we know that it, it does things like it ionizes the water. It it has a profound, basically what it is is a crystalline geologic matrix, a granite body such as this provides the perfect host, the perfect substrate for water like this to be sitting in and to be connected to. And that's why when it bubbles out of the ground, you've tried it, you've tasted it. It's so naturally pure. People say it's like drinking liquid light, and there's a reason for it. It's gone through this massive filtration process 
that is absolutely assisted by whatever effect these crystals have from their chemical makeup to the frequencies that they emanate and send throughout the water. Whatever is going on in here, it's really far beyond the scope of human understanding and even even open-minded science, forget mainstream science, they, they'll never look at this, but even very open-minded scientists who look at this from you know, an objective but factual standpoint have a very difficult time explaining what is occurring at this one particular spring, and that's why they call it a rare geologic phenomenon. But just to go back, tourmaline is a powerful, powerful stone. We know that it emits infrared frequencies. It has both positive and negative electrodes in the crystal that if a crystal was broken or shattered, the, the shatters, the fragments of it both retain those positive and negative electrodes. So it, it emits weak electrical charge, piezoelectric, pyroelectric charge. It's really just a powerful natural substance. So it's amazing. Well, when I, when I, um, you sent me a case of it, and when I started drinking it, I was very aware of the piezoelectric. It was like, oh, my goodness, this has got a charge in it that I, I don't think I've ever experienced with. You know, I really love my Mountain Valley water from Arkansas. But this water, this is a totally different charged water. And I, I could tell that I would become very addicted to this water, that I would have to have this water, at, you know, at all costs. And that's, and I started talking about it to some of my, my friends about this water. So at some point in time, when we go over to Arkansas and have our Starseed Quest, I really hope that we'll be able to afford to bring in your water to, to add to the experience of our Starseed Quest. That's one of the things that I plan to do in the future is have your water with, with our, our, our meetings that we have there. Yeah. Well, the only reason that it's not affordable is because of its market factors, its economic influence. The way business is structured in this day and age is so... It, it's corporate America. It's a corporate world. And because of that, it makes it really difficult for small businesses with integrity that are truly committed to improving the world and make less of a profit doing it. It makes it very difficult because we're up against qua uh, quantity. You know, quality doesn't really fit into a lot of people's understanding at this point, especially in regards to water, which is insane. But as we grow as we're able to expand our reach, we're going to not only be able to bring, you know, make it more affordable and more available, but Tourmaline Spring is not just the preservation of this great natural geologic source in Maine. It is a broad, wide, it is a broad scope of vision that can literally improve the world step by step through education. We've teamed up with, with one of the most profound nonprofits there is where this they are literally drilling water. They drill these little holes into the earth and primary water, water that is made by the earth, completely clean and potable water, bubbles to the surface of the earth and they provide it for people in third world villages that don't have it. I mean, this is, there's so much to this, but I will make it, I will be able to get it to you for a more affordable rate, for sure. Tell us a little bit of what you know about structured water. So structured water is, one of these really interesting topics because a lot of scientists, a lot of mainstream scientists won't even look at it. They just know that's not true. There's not, you know, but at the same time, you can see evidence of it in everything in nature. 
in water especially, like when you look at a snowflake, if anybody's ever looked at pictures of a snowflake or looked at a snowflake up close in person and seen the just awe-inspiring structure that is inherent in the water itself, this is, you know, that's its nature. That's its essential form. To think about the different shapes, the sizes, the really complex geometries that water is able to crystallize into speaks to its essential nature, which is this. Water is a liquid crystal. It is literally a, they call it a mesomorphic, a liquid phased mesomorphic crystal, meaning that it is a structured, just like a crystal has structure that gives it its beautiful form and symmetry, this same properties exist within water, but it can be degraded very quickly based on the environment it's in, what kind of contaminants or pollutants it's subjected to. So really, in a very basic way, water structure is essentially the ability for water to retain and exude vitality through it. I'm not an expert on it, but somebody I know is. Her name is Dr. Carly Newday. She wrote a book called Water Codes. It's the quintessential guide for structured water and what that means for people in this day and age, for our health, for our awareness, for everything related to it. But it is one of the most fascinating topics that I've ever looked at, and it's something that really, really people need. Water water exhibits more anomalous properties than almost any studied substance there is. So it's something that people, we really need to start paying a lot more attention to and, and get in sync with. You know, Victoria Albright, we had her on our show, and, and I, I have been using one of the products that she sells, and it, it, it's hydrogen tablets. So I put a hydrogen tablet in your tourmaline water, and oh my goodness, I thought I was a rocket. <laughs> it's like the, the minute I just turned up the bottle and drank half of it really quick, and it was such a rush through my body, and it just exploded in my brain. And, and and I wanted to call and tell you about it, but I just I didn't at the time. But I'm telling you now that these hydrogen tablets with your water is really something. See, that's it, it's this is what's incredible about this water. This water has when you talk about structure, or there's a thing called memory of water, which can be broken down from the most simplistic form of thinking of structure in that it's just dissolving and retaining the properties of whatever it's exposed to all the way to really, really a lot more in-depth complex topics like homeopathy, which homeopathy is essentially just that. It's water that has had a trace of particulate matter, whether it's an herb, whether it's um, some kind of you know chemical or a disease if they're creating an antidote to something. It's put into the water, just a tiny bit of it, and then it's the water, it's either taken out or the water is diluted over and over and over to the degree where it begins to retain the memory or the properties of whatever was once placed in it, that it begins to have a very profound and pronounced effect on human health. And homeopathy, you can look at this, it goes back into antiquity for the most part. So, yeah, the point I was going to make is this water, as it comes out of the ground, is in a perfect State. It's in a blank state that whatever you put into it, whether it's through, you know, like you said, putting a, a tablet in it or vitamins or minerals or flower essences or intention, when you put intention into it, 
you are literally programming this water in a way that is going to be most conducive to what your intention is or to what you to your emotional state to whatever you get water is a mindful practice the consumption of water is a mindful practice everything to do with it can and should be if we are to evolve and grow as individuals and as a species because it's next to consciousness itself which is not a tangible thing and it's hard for people to really come to terms with water is the next in line i mean the great philosophers even the open-minded scientists they say that our very consciousness itself is almost magnetized to the water of our body our water is like a fractal antenna that literally is the storehouse for our conscious awareness that's powerful that's really really powerful to consider and to not just consider but to test out the hypothesis and that's what i do you know i'm so in tune with this water as it comes out of the ground with this source and i'll i'll try to send you some videos and stuff so you guys can see what it looks like but something profound is happening in our earth just like something profound is happening inside of our bodies the more we as individuals direct our attention and our awareness to that profundity to that miracle that we truly are and that everything truly is the more that miraculous nature of life begins to unfold and reveal itself for what it truly is inside of us and that's what this water is that's what my vision to represent this on a bigger scale is about and there's many others as you guys know doing the work you do this is what it all stands for and represents where this is what change comes from it's it's looking deeper into the innate intelligence that's in our body and in the earth and learning how to live and train ourselves to pay attention to that i also think that this water activates the silica in our blood yes there's something yes. about silica in this water i i can't remember did i send you some giza crystals have you put any giza crystals in your water I haven't actually. No, you didn't. I never got any, but no, I haven't. I would love to because I know it would do some profound stuff with it. A well, I, I thought I had sent you some. You know what? I'll send you some this next week. I'll you, you send me your mailing address, you email me that and I'll I'll get a, a big package of them out to you because I want you to experiment with these geysers in the water. Will I think do. you're going to find some very interesting things start happening with your water. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Sure. Okay. So tell us a little a little bit more about uh, what's happening with uh, water in different cities and what are they doing to water and educate our audience about what's happening with tap water. Okay, this is this is really exciting. Actually, what happened, despite how severe the issue is, what I just experienced in with Tourmaline Spring is nothing short of a breakthrough. And breakthroughs don't always come in the way we want. It doesn't always, you know, when you have a breakthrough in your own meditation practice or in your own health practice or whatever, sometimes it's it's not supported by the prettiest of pictures, you know, and that's exactly what just happened to me. I've been building this company, I've been developing it, and I've been doing it from like no money, literally a very little marketing budget, a grassroots guerrilla marketing effort of just my ability to authentically communicate the authenticity of this great source. And so literally as a result of me just giving it all I have and you know, I've spent the last year and a half since I actually launched Hermeline Spring
spring. That's when I relaunched it after we called it Raw Water way back. And it got to a point where I was just like, wow, this is really hard. It's a super competitive market. You know, it's dominated by big multi-corporations who, multinational corporations that have brands of water that are not really that good at all. In fact, they're not good at all. Many of them are just tap water and, you know, there's a few that are okay. And I just literally like hitting my head, like, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to do this? Then right before the end of the year, the New York Times wrote an article about they contacted me and they contacted a couple other companies and it was a fairly objective article, you know, kind of poking fun at people, a little bit of, of the Silicon Valley entrepreneurs for um, buying raw water. And nobody saw what was coming. Then literally on the very first day of the year, my email inbox just starts filling up urgent media requests from CBS, ABC, Fox News, The Guardian. I mean, going on every major mainstream media outlet there is is reaching out, contact me. Can you jump on an interview now? We want to come up this spring. I mean, all this stuff, and I'm just like, what the heck is going on? Then I find out that New York Times article gave birth to a, a food safety attorney who commented on it and basically said that this raw water trend, they're calling that, which is spawning out of this water consciousness movement, is for, is going, it's for morons and idiots, and it's going to lead to death. So this guy said that, a food safety attorney. This just rippled out through the entire world, literally the entire world. And I'm, I'm literally getting contacted by every mainstream media outlet in this country and countless, countless outlets across the world. And they are out for blood. They're literally like, you guys are, you know, what you're doing is dangerous. You're going to poison people and this and that and but they wanted to get the story. You know, some of them were really, really, they just wanted to totally discredit us. And CBS were the first ones to come up here. And they came up out for blood. They were literally just going to tear us apart. And within an hour of being on this mountain in the woods of Maine and seeing this source, seeing the bubbles of water emanating through the sand, they, and talking to me and my business partner and my team there and just really feeling the essence of who we are and what we're doing. These guys melted. They literally, they're like, oh, my God. They're like, wow. Like, we didn't know. We had no idea, you know. Like, you see the marketing, you see the things, and you form an opinion of it. But when you actually get to experience this firsthand, you realize that this mass hysteria that is going on against what they're calling raw water is completely unfounded. It's completely unbiased. It, it's it's really completely unjust in, but what it does is it speaks to how disconnected we are as individuals, as a society, and even as a species, how disconnected we are from the natural world. So it was ugly. It was really ugly, and it's still going. I'm still doing interviews from people all around the world. We have a place from Germany coming in a few days. I mean, they are literally coming from everywhere, but to me... Because I've been able to, along with my business partner, Brian, we've been able to really help people understand that what we're doing is not only just and ethical, but it is the beginnings of forging a much greater conversation as to how do we improve water as a whole for the species. So that's what happened, and this is what's crazy about it, 
is in the midst of this whole thing while the whole world is making fun of raw water and water consciousness and all that, on 1-11, on January 11th, the Environmental Working Group releases a bombshell report stating that 170 million Americans, more than half the country, have been drinking carcinogenic radioactive tap water that nobody can do anything about because it's a result of failing infrastructure, water infrastructure, infrastructure that is 50 to 100 years old in many places. Some of it was built when Lincoln was president. So, you know, it is a so while everybody's making fun of the water they're not drinking, they are not being able to honestly confront the sobering reality of the water they are drinking. And that's what happens. So, to me and those of us who are paying attention that are part of this movement and aware we know that this is a greater wake-up call. It's a call from humanity opening the door to the potential for much greater educational efforts to really help people understand how crucial and essential water is for everybody. So, yeah, tap water, my gosh, it's a chemical cocktail. It's loaded with so many different types of contaminants. You know, they won't kill you on the spot, you know, but and it's different too. Not every municipality is the same. Not every um, you know depends on where you are. It depends on what it's treated with. But they have to treat the water because the water otherwise would contain toxins. It would contain it's surface water. That's where most of the tap water that we drink comes from. It's surface water. So it ha- it does have Giardia, Cryptosporidium. There's all there's every pathogen known to man. But they're treating it with chemicals that, you know, are really referred to as killing processes. So not only is it killing all of the potentially harmful microbes and everything in the water, but it's dementing it. It's altering the structure, the integrity, and everything in the water. And water is known as a, the universal solvent. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying before. You know, in a crystalline granite, it's the perfect substrate for our water to be held because of what it's made out of. It just supports water itself, but water will, it will absorb any substrate or matrix that it's exposed to. So the EPA states that it will take $384 billion to fix America's water infrastructure. Okay, when tap water is treated, it is then going through countless miles and miles of corroded pipes. The EPA even says there's thousands of lead pipes, if not more, out there right now. Flint, Michigan, you know, let's not forget what happened there. It goes on and on. California, there's pesticides. There's a bunch of, um, there's Flint, there's uh, lead in a bunch of California schools that way higher than the EPA limits. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. And really, you know, how do we fix that? Well, first, we have to have an honest look. We have to be able to pay for water. But people have this idea that water is a, universal right, and it should be free. And of course it should be. There's not even any doubt of that in any good ethical human being's mind. But that's not the world we live in. Water isn't free. The stuff that comes out of our tap is not free. We are paying for it in so many ways that we do not, that we're not even aware of. So really what needs to happen is a much more comprehensive awareness as to the scope and extent of water's properties 
and how we can improve it because it's going to take money to improve water infrastructure, to make it more safe. And there's ways to treat tap water that are way better than the killing processes and the chemicals that we're using now. I mean, do you have any favorite chemicals? <laughs> I don't. I mean, there's no chemicals I want added to my water, you know. But it's a massive, massive issue, and it's getting worse. I mean, they say now that, you know, half of Ameri- almost half of Americans in our time are going to be diagnosed with cancer. You know, sadly, it just came out that more than half the country is drinking carcinogenic tap water, you know, and that's one element. That's one element in the water. It doesn't include all the others. So my point is it's time for us as individuals, as a society, and as a species to start giving a lot more overdue respect to the one element that, that unifies all of us, that is the most important to all of us, and really come to terms with understanding how water can kill us or can heal us. Because if we really begin to understand that, then we can start to work with water in a way that will allow it to be a lot more healing than it is. Let me ask you, um, I know that you can't uh, ever uh, diagnose an illness or treat your water with it, but do you have any stories that you could tell us about people that have taken your water that, say, maybe has a, a terminal illness or or something, and, and has the water been able to help turn it around? Do you have any stories like that? Let me go back. Let me go back, back far into history. So this spring is one of the oldest doc, um, historically documented springs in North America. And what I mean by that is we have records from the historical, the Harris, town of Harrison historical record, which is in Maine, that date back to the 1700s. This water was talked about and made available as a quote-unquote healing tonic before Maine was even a state. It was still Massachusetts then. There was a 55-room hotel in the late 1800s built next to the spring so that people around the world could come and take of the waters, they called it, which is another word. There's a Greek word called balneotherapy, B-A-L-N-E-O therapy, balneotherapy. And essentially what it means is taking to the waters for the purpose of healing. This source was revered for its unique properties. You know, again, we live in Maine. I'm in Maine. That's where I live. And Maine is known as a water state. People say that Maine is to water what the Middle East is to oil or to what California is to gold. This is known as a water-producing state. This spring... There's, this is the only spring that is like this in the entire state of Maine, in the entire Northeast. So the properties of it are such that it was sold in the early 1900s in New York City. It was put in 55-gallon drums and taken through a the narrow-gauge railroad and brought to New York and sold for back then 40 cents a gallon as a healing tonic which would be the equivalent now in today's prices of $100 a gallon. So this water was sold back then as a healing tonic in the early 1900s for $100 a gallon, essentially. So that's the history of this. That's a little bit of the history of it. It's a profound effect. It's a profound source. There's just really very few bodies of water that exude this. But there are sacred healing springs 
all over this world. You know, this isn't a new concept at all. People have been going to sacred sources like Lourdes in France. You know, there's so many of these. All the sacred sites around the world, all these temples that exist, all have one combinating, one common denominating theme, which is water springs bubbling up under them or connected to them because water attracts energies. It literally attracts energy. So the, the energies that water is going to attract are what are going to allow it to be a healing tonic or something that can hurt you. You know, it's clear. You can't see what's in it. But it either has properties that are healthful or harmful. And so in this situation, it's, you know, I, I'm being careful because I, I, I have to be very careful about making specific claims. But I've heard everything you can imagine. Everything you can imagine to people, you know, they just, it, I have to try to think, you know, whatever. People will say things that you, just the most profound healing stories you can imagine of arthritis going away, of, you know, pains and aches and, you know, to just being able to think clearly, to feel better. And it makes sense why it would do that because something as naturally pure as water like this is going to have a profound cleansing effect on our body that not only is contaminated with environmental toxins or pollutants or whatever, but it's also clouded up with our own thought processes, our own negative thought processes. People are stuck in these repetitious prison of the mind type mentalities where they're literally, they feel incarcerated in their very own being. And the water of our bodies, the bio water, you could call it, it's literally bioactive water, okay, in our body, that's taking a hit. It's taking, it's being hammered by our thoughts, our intentions, our actions, our feelings, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we interact with others. And drinking something as naturally pure as this, that is verified by science, and we post our water testing for everybody to see what we're talking about, which it has no anthropogenic input, which means it has no influence of human activity at all. The effect that this is going to have is obviously going to be a healing one. Just like when we eat organic foods, really high-quality organic foods or wild-crafted foods that are clean, these things begin to have a profound healing effect on us, but even more so with water because it's the predominant element of our physical bodies. So let me ask you, uh, with all this attention being drawn to you now um, with, you know, the different media outlets, uh, I've got a feeling that people are going to come up there and try to buy this from you, and I don't want you to sell it. You're absolutely right, and they already are. There's lots and lots of people coming up and trying to get it, and everybody has their own ideas. You know, they look at it as a commodity. They look at it as, okay, it's one of the last great naturally pure things that come out of the earth, and they want it. They want it. They want to take it. They want to make it into what, you know, they want to destroy it, essentially. And well, that, uh, you're the guardian, and, and you just can't let that happen. You just can't let it happen. You need to put your foot down. We star seeds will support you in anything that you want to do. If you get in trouble with with any enforcement or people or anything, you let us know, and we'll back you 100%. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we need help. I mean, look, we're at a, right now we're at a tipping point. We're at a very crucial point where this could literally take off, and then we can set a standard for all the things I've been talking about you know, provide a vehicle, an education platform 
provide the naturally purest water that exists and use the profits and funds that come in to inspire others to create structures that are similar to what we're creating, to help provide water in third world countries that don't have it. This is what this represents, and it's true. If big money, you know, if, if we can't make this work because we're operating it on a shoestring budget, then big money will come in and take it because the bank will take it, you know? And it, it is. It's a crucial moment. But we're almost there. If we can just get over this hump, then we will have not only preserved this great source for future generations, but really serving as a beacon of hope and light for all who are interested in paying attention. So you starseed listeners out there, uh, you know, if you have any – uh, desire to support Seth and his and his project up there, then contact him. Uh, go go on his website and uh, contact him and and tell him your thoughts and ideas about how you can be of service to this wonderful water. I'm looking at the time right now, and would you be willing to talk to people uh, that call in on our switchboard? Oh, I would love to. Absolutely. Okay. So at this time, I would like to pass you over to my co-host Ariel. And, and, Seth, we'll talk later by phone, okay? I'm so Thanks. happy that you came on the show tonight. Thank so you back to you, Arielle. Well, I applaud you, Seth. Um, you are a starseed in action, a man on a mission. And um, I, I just know that this, this is going to be um, a revolution because I've been aware of the you know the problems with tap water for a long time when I first read a report about the trace pharmaceuticals of everybody in your town being in your water and it's really kind of like a homeopathic um, cocktail of everybody's blood pressure and cholesterol medicine and whatever antidepressants um, I mean I read that and it's like okay I never drank tap water again um, so I'm so happy that you're so committed and so dedicated to this. Thank you. Yeah, it's massive education efforts need to be undertaken because people are just so in the dark when it comes to water. And really, it's, it's kind of an insane thing because, like I said, we are water beings, 70% of our body by weight, 80% of our brain is water, 93% of our blood, and 99% of the fluid in and around our cells is water. It's it's the biggest, most important thing we're facing right now. Well, um, absolutely. And you know, the I was thinking about the uh, the work that Dr. Emoto did, and you know, putting intent into water. And there are a lot of people that understand, um, and I'm sure a lot of them are in our audience. Exactly what you're saying. So um, before we get further into this conversation here, I just want to say that if you have a question or a comment for Seth, if you're already on the switchboard, then you just need to press 1 so that we know you have a question and want to uh, talk to Seth. If you're listening on the computer, then you just need to pick up the phone and dial 917-889-8292, and then once you're in, press 1 and um, our producers will get you set to come on the air. So um, while we're waiting to see if anyone has a, a question or comment, um, I just want to talk some more about 
what you what you need. Um, I mean, obviously, support from people. Um, and so what is your? How do you distribute this? Yeah. Well, we recently just secured nationwide distribution in the United States, but. Hello. I'm still here. Oh, okay. That was weird. <laughs> okay. It's other so frequencies you... trying to communicate to us. <laughs> so so yeah, national... I have a lot of distribution in place. I have a lot there, but it's such a competitive market that I need brand awareness. I need people to talk about this mission and what it represents and to create a demand. If people go into their local stores and demand that they carry it, the distribution networks are already in place for that to be able to happen. You know, I need brand ambassadors. I need people who can really step up to the plate and represent, you know, but the issue is I don't have the money right now to be able to do it. And I also have, you know, I'm, I've got my team who bottles for me and I have my business partner, Brian, who is busy a lot of the time. So I've got I'm a one-man show, essentially, as far as the communications and efforts go. Brian is amazing, and he comes forward and does the media stuff with me because he's very credible, he's very authoritative, but his time is limited in what he can do. So, you know, it's at the point now where if I can just get it out there, if I can secure these accounts and make it work, then I will be able to put together a team, a full-fledged business of water educators, of people who are as passionate about this or more than I am and really get out there and help bring critical mass to not only one of the most important issues of our time, but this issue is so important for everybody, for future generations. It means more than most people. If people knew how important water was, they would probably try to run the other way and not face it because it's that big of a topic. And that's exactly what we don't want them to do. We want them to feel comforted. We want to bring out the positive, soothing, flowing, you know, supportive nutrient, nu- nutritional aspects of water so they feel supported in confronting water and understanding the greater lessons that water wants to teach to us and through us, all of it. Wow. This is, you know, you are so articulate. We have, you know, we have a lot of guests with a lot of great information, but you're so articulate um, that that you really make an impression. So I just want to tell you that when you go forward and you're talking to these media people, do it with confidence because you really have that strength, the the passion of your vision, the conviction of of what you're doing, um, and and you express yourself really really well. So uh, kudos to you on that and 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 keep that up. And as far as our audience is concerned. Um, I mean, we have thousands and thousands of people that listen every week. I mean, since we've been on the air, we've had uh, 1.25 million listens. So if everyone that listens to the show would just go to their local store and and demand, you've got to get this water from me, that that can make a difference, you know, um, because what we are... That's most. That's what it would be first. We have access to be able to um, distribute to health food stores through our distributor. A lot of other places, not yet. And you know, the other thing, this water is a finite resource. It's there's only a certain amount of it that comes out of the ground, and after that, no more comes out. 
because we are not going to drill holes into the earth. We're not going to suck the water out of the ground. We only capture what flows out naturally, and that's all that's bottled. And because of that, it is a finite resource. It's still, it's plenty for us to create an incredible triple bottom line business that is abundant and abundant for many in that far exceed monetary wealth, abundant in the form of literally the true wealth, the inner wealth, the inner riches. And that's what this represents. That's who I am. And that's what everything, that's what everything I do is for that purpose, to develop the inner riches that we all possess and to inspire others to be able to develop that within themselves. That is so beautifully said. Thank and you. Um, do, do you have, um, <laughs> I'm just thinking of my, my, my local um, grocery store, um, do you have the, the Sprouts chain or the Whole Foods chain? Or I mean, are these places where you might um, have your, your distribution set up? We're in Whole Foods in the North Atlantic region in New England. Um, we could very easily be in Whole Foods across the country, but it's only going to happen if enough people go in there and demand it. Sprouts, we should be in there. We're not now, but we could very easily be in there because we do have a nationwide distributor now who could really just you know, turn it on for us, turn the, the flow on and just make it work. But again, it's you know, I'm working with... Again, like my my ability to articulate this message, to communicate the authenticity of this spring, and I'm doing it with very little marketing budget. So I need people who believe in what we're doing with this to really kind of be the mouthpieces of this and demand it. And it's true, like Lavendar said, when you drink this water, it's very very difficult to drink anything after that. And there's a reason for it because. Things that, I mean, we tell people this, and we're, it, it sounds kind of like high and mighty, but it's not because it's completely scientifically verified. But we tell a lot of people this is the most naturally pure substance you will probably ever try in your life. And that's not a marketing ploy. It's, not, it's because we know this. We can demonstrate it by 14 years of the most comprehensive water analysis testing there is. And that's why, the, you know, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. When people drink it, they try it, it's like liquid light. It impacts them. They feel an electric charge, which is a result of electrolytes and the very minute amounts of trace minerals that are in it. But, and the influence, the imprint of the, the containment, the granite bodies that have influenced this water are imprinted on the water. So when you put it in your body, you're going to retain whatever that water has been most exposed to. And in our case, it's this prolific granite body with big caverns full of gemstones and crystals, and this water is going through it. So it's it's powerful. <laughs> That's why kind I talk the way. And I'm lit up literally by what this is and what it represents, and I know what it is. So now I just need to really be able to help others understand what it is. And then take it far beyond what I'm doing because there's visions to these, there's visions to this vision that can improve water for everybody in the world and improve the world. And that's really what this is all about. Well, it's, it's becoming um, more and more of an issue 
<clears throat> excuse me, and I remember <clears throat> lavender wasn't it in the seventies when the the you were told um either by the Pleiadians or or somebody that that one day um water would be more valuable than gold didn't it what was that story lavender do you remember oh, I think she put her phone on mute um but yeah, yeah, I mean that's that was I mean decades ago, and now we're seeing it come to pass with water shortages everywhere, you know, poor water quality, um, and so I mean it's you're really on time with this. Um, and when you said it's a finite source, does that mean because you don't suck it out of the ground, you let it come out naturally? That there's there's only so much that you could bottle up in a day. Or do you yeah. mean that that the spring would be exhausted? Well, both in a way, but you're you're exactly right. The first one is more. There is a flow rate. Flow rate. This spring produces thirty-eight to forty, thirty-eight to eighty gallons a minute, basically, and that's it. You know, it's roughly thirty-five million gallons a year. That is water. Okay, think of this is what the spring looks like. Think of a volcano, right? And at the top of a volcano, it's like a mountain, and then at the top of the mountain, there's this shaft of magma that comes out. But in this case, it's that same image, but instead of magma being inside, it's water. So this water is coming up own way through the hydrostatic pressure that is in the earth, allowing this water to ascend. It's literally bubbling up against gravity. Water doesn't flow up hills. It flows down. So... There's a tremendous amount of hydrostatic pressure under the earth that is pushing this water up, and it's filtering it through thousands of feet of rock and sand and all these different elements that are earth elements that are just like the filters that people use, except for this is massive. It's so big, and it's so comprehensive, and it's happening at a scale that's incomprehensible, really. But as a result of that, there's only a certain amount of water that comes out of our spring with you know, and that's it. And if we were to get any more out of that, it would no longer be a natural spring because we'd be drilling holes into it. We'd be destroying the natural spring, which means destroying the filtering capabilities that are in that are already in place. Which is something we are. We're, it's we've designed our entire bottling facility so that cannot happen. And if it ever did happen, it would be beyond our control. Here's something that is really, I wanted to touch on this with, with Lavender, and Lavender, and we didn't get into it, but this whole idea that there's a shortage of water in the world, of pure water, that we, there isn't enough water to drink, is not true. It's not true at all. And here's what is actually true is, first of all, let me just ask a quick question. Have you ever considered, do you, do you ever think about where the water on Earth comes from, the surface water? Well, isn't it a, a, a process of evaporation, rain, filtration, and, and recycling like that? Yeah, that's what most people think, but what, where did it come from? Where did that start? You know, and, and it's okay if you don't know, because I didn't know. I didn't most, know. <laughs> yeah, we're, this is what we're told. Okay, yeah, you're right. That's where a lot of the surface water is. But we've been told that the water that exists in all the oceans of the world and on the face of the planet came from asteroids and meteorites and, and stuff from space that essentially seeded that water here. 
which some of it did come from that way. There's no doubt about it. Some of the water did come that way. And, you know, and there's scientists out there, mainstream scientists, who have, I've seen calculations where they're like, yep, 4 billion years, this many comets, asteroids, meteorites hitting it, this much water density in each asteroid, and there's this much water on the planet. They, it's, it's amazing what some of these guys figure out. But here's what is actually true, okay? While some of the water did come from space, most of it didn't. Most of the water that exists on the face of our planet came from inside the planet. The same magmatic forces that are at play creating minerals, creating metals, creating all these different earth elements also create, they bind hydrogen and oxygen from inside the earth and they create water. This water then, through the pressure of magma and tectonic plates and everything that is bringing it to the surface, pressurizes that water and the water comes up and it sits in layers of the earth's crust and ringwoodite they call it and it sits in other layers hydrogeologists who understand this call it primary water or juvenile water or magmatic water it's water that is made by the earth and what's remarkable about even mainstream scientists don't argue with this now because they've demonstrated that the earth is definitely producing water now some scientists say holy crap there's more than three times the amount of water in the earth as on the face of this planet, and it seems like it's all potable, meaning it's naturally pure. It can be, it's consumable. You know, some scientists are like, whoa, whoa, don't go that far yet. We, we haven't proven that, but no, nobody disagrees. The earth creates water. Now, the Primary Water Institute, who I've partnered with, it's, it's the nonprofit company that I work with. The founder of it, Paul Power, has been, he's a veteran. He has been drilling primary water wells. He knows exactly where this water can be found. He knows how to find it, and he can drill into the rock, and this water just starts bubbling to the Earth's surface. He can do it on any continent. He can do it in almost any area. People will come and drill 100 feet from him and hit nothing, but when he drills, he finds it, and it comes up to the surface. So this water is available. It's everywhere. It, it's literally, there's massive amounts of it in the water, and there doesn't need to be water shortages. There doesn't need to be wars fought over water. This is a big, big deal for all of us, but it's going to take tremendous education for people to really be able to come to terms with it. So, you know, and the whole thing, this whole conspiracy of all these, you know, evil people, and I don't, I don't really believe that. I don't buy into it. I think they just don't know. I think there's just a lack of enough education and awareness. There's no doubt about it. There's plenty of people who, who don't have humanity's interest in, you know, in heart and mind, but I think most people do. Most people have kids. They have their life. They enjoy life, and if they're not full-blown sociopaths or narcissists, then they do have enough empathy and maybe just a little bit of prudence and foresight to be able to see, you know what, what are my kids going to do? What are their kids going to do? And I think enough people want solutions to emerge and that a critical mass needs to occur in the form of education around water, around all kinds of topics, but in my situation, water. And that's really going to be the impetus to start exploring primary water and how to resolve tap water issues around the country and the world. This is what needs to happen, and it's businesses like mine 
that are going to support these efforts. So anyway, I had to get that out. Yeah, that's a very good point, and and certainly uh, I thank you for educating me. I had no idea um, yeah. about that. And then yeah, and then the the um, you know the the media you know water shortage water shortage um, that's just not true. <laughs> but they they won't uh, they they need to be educated. You're absolutely right. Uh, we actually have a caller who is uh, waiting to speak with you. So let me get her mic open. You're going to be talking to Elaine. So just a second. Hey, Elaine, how are you doing tonight? Hi, Ariel. Um, well, you are on the air with Seth, so go ahead with your question. Yes, Seth. I wanted to, I looked at your website, but I couldn't figure out how you can get some bottles of it so that you can take one to your co-op or health food store in your area and say, try this because... Like a picture is worth a thousand words. I think a drink of it would convince people to stock it okay. in their store. Yeah. Well, here's where. What state are you in, if you don't mind me asking? Washington. Washington. Yeah. So this is the issue. We're we're in Maine. That's where the sources. We're literally stationed in. We bottle directly at the source. This water comes up to the Earth's surface, and a gravity feeds into our bottling plant and is in these bottles right at the source. We do everything there. So the economics of getting it across the country are such that the only way it can be done in an environmentally, a a somewhat low environmentally, low carbon footprint, environmentally friendly way is in volume. So until we get to that point, there's no cheap way to get it there except for we sell it on our website for I think it's $55 a case, which believe me, most of that is for shipping. And by the time it makes it out to the West Coast, very little of that is profit. So that's really the only way is to order a case from our store um, and ship it out there. And, you know, then you can present it to them. I mean, if, if you're really well connected and you have the ability, then email me. And I'll, I'll, we'll figure out a way to, to help you out. So. All right. I guess I just couldn't figure out how you could buy a case for it. Oh yeah, there's a shop. There there should be a button for shop. I get a shop and it and it says, "Are you a member?" Um, part and one other thing, and I'll I'll look at it again. Yeah, you should be able to click on there. There should be four pictures there, and you should be able to click on one of them. Um, I'm not looking at it right now, but one is a, for a half liter, one is for a one liter, and then there's a smaller a six pack of water, which is definitely the most cost effective that's twenty dollars and ninety nine cents actually that can that way you could get six bottles of it and and out there for a relatively low cost um and so yeah. if the person likes it if the co-op likes it clear out here um do they email you to see if what kind of volume that they could get and when or do they yeah, we actually, it can order directly through us. If we ship it by the pallet, then it can work. And it's not that big of an investment. Um, we've had so much exposure around the world that it's, our demand has, I mean, we've suddenly become a known name, despite the fact that, it, you know, it's still, we're up against all these economic forces. But, um, yeah, they can order, they can get it through a distributor called UNFI, which is United Natural Foods. They used to be about UNFI. They can get it through them or they can order it directly through us. Probably getting it through us is the best way for now until UNFI makes it. 
Unify is, is distributing out in this area right now, but they haven't begun in the West Coast. When there's enough demand, they can easily start doing that. Well, everyone's going to buy a six-pack and share it with our co-ops. That would be amazing, you guys. If you could do that, I'd break down and cry. <laughs> <laughs> what email address okay, Just do we to use? reiterate. To contact, uh, is your contact information yes. on the website? Yes. Yep. Okay. okay. Thank you, Termaline Spring dot com. Oh, you're so welcome, Elaine. And yeah, Thank you get you, some Elaine. in. in uh, yeah, I mean Washington's a really progressive state, so you shouldn't have too much trouble convincing them. Um, but yeah, I mean, in every if if everyone that listens to the show just went to their local um, you know health store and and start asking for it, you know, if the distributors get enough requests, then yeah, I mean, we just got to get that that groundswell kind of happening where people are talking and, and um, being introduced to it. Yeah. All right. Thank I mean, you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for calling, Elaine. You take Bye. care, sweetie. Bye-bye. Yeah. So, yeah, we are asking everyone who listens to this show to um, ask at their local store if they can get it and so if enough inquiries are being made, people will start to listen. You know, in the yeah. meantime, you do what you do. And do you have a YouTube channel about this? I do, yep. I have a YouTube channel. Um, I'm most active on Facebook because it's, it's a better educational platform, but I do. There's a bunch of videos up on YouTube. Um, on the TourmalineSpring.com website, I have a blog there, and I'm very selective about what I put up. I There's some really... I don't put up just lots of content and spam the whole thing. I, I Only on the site I put up really powerful, thought-provoking content in regards to the, a lot of the things I talked about tonight. Um, on the Facebook page, I engage a lot more and provide a lot more information. And I actually created a Facebook group that is called um, the Raw Water, the Water Consciousness Movement and the Raw Water Trend, which essentially it's, it's just a group for education, and I talk about everything in it, you know, all the negative and positive aspects of the issues we're facing in regards in regard to water. Well, it's something that everyone needs to be aware of because everyone is made of practically all water. So, um, yeah, and I really, I really appreciate and understand um, that concept of if your body has so much water in it and you're walking around um you know in a bad mood that's going to affect your body because it's going to change the water in your body just just like you know intent can change water so it's really important that people understand not only um to you know g- keep their intent in an up spiral positive um direction but also be aware of what it is you're drinking it's so important. I mean, it it's, it goes into so many layers that, you know, really just without making people confused or, you know, perplexed by it or anything, we just got to start with the basics. The more naturally pure something is, the more it the more of a beneficial health effect it's going to have on our very bodies, which are naturally pure. So 
there's it's really essentially from all of the sophisticated language and everything revolving around that, it's a very common sense oriented perception regarding water. You know, the more naturally pure we are, the more in alignment we are with nature, the better we function as natural beings in the environment with each other. You know, a big reason why we feel so disconnected from nature as a society is because we're very disconnected from our own inner nature. And water, literally water, holds one of the most, if not the biggest keys to really getting us in touch with our own inner nature. So it's very common sense oriented, really. It is, and and you don't really you don't have to be um, spiritually aware um, for it to benefit you. It's not something that you have to believe in. You know, it, it it's good for you whether you believe it is or not. <laughs> that the you know pure sacred living water. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's very simplistic. In this is how I equate it. I, you know, I, I, maybe it's not simple to some people, but you know, me, who I am, who I believe myself to be, I have very limited conscious intelligence. But my body, all these profound metabolic reactions, the innate intelligence of my body and the energies, you could call it, that empower it, that beat the heart, that cause all these profound, miraculous autonomic functions to happen, now that's intelligence. So when I take my intelligence, my limited intelligence, and I begin to start really paying attention to this profound intelligence, this innate intelligence of my body, it begins to have a positive and beneficial influence upon my normal waking state of consciousness, just like our consciousness has an effect on water. It has a positive or a negative, a life-affirming or a life-negating effect on water. So, we have access to us, each and every one of us, regardless of what we believe or what we think or whatever, we have in our body, just like the earth creates water, our bodies are creating blood, new blood. There's this wellspring of information, of purity, of you know, really profound processes that are occurring at all times. It's just to the degree that we value them and give attention to them that really encourages their growth or inhibits it or stifles it. You're so you're so right. And Seth, you are just on it. You you know, you understand, you've got such great insights. Your commit your commitment and, and passion for this is uh, it's just kind of off the charts. And we're so happy that you were able to come and spend some time with us. And we encourage everyone who listens to the show to go to the website, tourmalinespring.com. And once again, tourmaline is spelled T-O-U-R-M-A-L-I-N-E, tourmalinespring.com. And uh, you know, get some of the water, take it to your local stores and, and you know, start clamoring for it. And little by little, you know, all the little voices will turn into a roar. Exactly. Thank. Couldn't have said any better myself. <laughs> well, th- thanks again for being with us this evening, and um, please, as things develop and and really take off, uh, you know, keep your eyes on the goal 
and you know just keep it spiraling upwards and if you know there may be some some bumps in the road but i believe you're equal to the task and you you're going to bring this home to everybody so thanks for being on the planet Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you for being on the planet. We're all reflecting to each other what we all need most to learn and to embody at a crucial time for all of us. And in an exciting time, and not to get too serious, because it is serious, but we've got to love this. We've got to have fun with it. We've got to enjoy it. And I do. So thank you. Well, that's, that's a blessing in itself. Yes. So... Anytime, you know, when you've got some new developments, you know, just uh, give an email to Lavendar and, and we'll have you come back on and update us on all the great things that have been happening. So we'll look forward to that. All right. Thank you. You're so welcome. So we're going to wrap up now, and I want to thank you all for listening. And we will be back next week. Remember to go to tourmalinespring.com and show your support. Talk about this and get it going. So until next week, everyone, you take care of yourselves. And every day, live in gratitude. Until then, good night. Good night. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 